Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. For anyone who wants to make money and make a difference, grow and leverage your enterprise better, get more done in less time, outsource everything and create your ideal lifestyle. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. So as promised, here is a new mini-series on raising finance. So accessing high net worths, ultra high net worths, private investors, so non-institutional finance. So this episode is gonna be the, the why, the what, the where, and then the second episode is gonna be the how. Now, it's all very well having some techniques of raising money, but unless you're around people frequently with money, the money's not gonna to come to you. So why would you wanna raise finance from non-institutions, i.e. not banks, not crowdfunding organizations or bridging loan companies? Why would you want to go to a non-sophisticated investor or even a sophisticated investor, an individual rather than an institution? Well, it can be more liquid. It can be less liquid, but it can be more liquid. You can get better terms. By the way, you can get worse terms, but you could get better terms. You may not be bank worthy. You know, you may have bad credit. You may have a young business which hasn't got good accounts yet. So, you know, an institution wouldn't lend to you. You may prefer a relationship rather than, you know, dealing with a computer. When things go wrong, an institution's not gonna be that forgiving. The letters are gonna go black, then red, and then maybe it's bust, black, red, bust. Uh, you don't want that. Whereas if you're raising private finance, then you can build a relationship, nurture a relationship. If things go wrong, you can look into someone's eyes to you know, maybe sort the problem out. You could probably have more flexible terms, such as a range of time to pay the money back, and you know, maybe some early or late exit clause, um, some penalty clauses on either side for early and late payments, on and on and on and on. But I'll talk more about that in the how part of raising finance. So really wanna focus in this episode on getting you out there around people because I don't wanna oversimplify it, but I'm gonna oversimplify it. If the five people you spent the most time with were all worth 10 million or more, you'd never have a problem raising finance ever again. You know, they say, don't they, that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. You're, therefore, you're probably roughly on average the same net worth. Uh, you've probably roughly on average got the same access to contacts and partners. You know, if you know five people and they know five other people, those other five people will be of a similar net worth to the, the five people that you know and to you. And so it goes on and on and on. So building this network is something I think you should do perennially. It should be something that you always do. It should be in your key result areas. Now, whether you want to raise it for property or you want to fund the growth of your business, or you want to sell shares in your business, the fundamentals are pretty much the same in terms of where to go other than maybe, for example, a business networking event if you're looking to raise business type finance or a property networking event if you're looking to raise property finance. So I'm going to cover some of the places I've gone personally to raise fun, uh, funds. I've got many JV partners. Some are one-off transactions, others are still partners today. And I started in December 2005 with almost £50,000 worth of consumer debt and credit cards that were supporting credit cards that supported credit cards that supported credit cards that were paying off credit cards and a car loan for a car, even though I'd sold the car and still had three and a half years left on the car loan. I was in a mess. And um, the very first person I 
properly net at a networking event, and this was right at the end of December 2005. I mean, I'd only been in property a week. I'd read three books. We're still JV partners to this day, and um, he's loaned our partnership, not me directly, but our partnership, many hundreds of thousands of pounds, and then we've rolled in profits of many hundreds of thousands, in fact, many millions now. The current deal we're doing is about 4.2 million pounds, and we're self-funding that. And then he brought his mum into the party and she lent money. And then his mum bought her husband, so Mark's stepdad, into the party and he loaned money. And then when I had some credibility, my mum loaned money, loaned money. And it kind of snowballs and, and mushrooms from there. So I've been there with no money. And it's not always that bad a thing if you haven't got money because you've got desire, hunger. You're going to get out there. You know, I'm going to give you a list of probably 15 places I have or people I know have been and raised money. And if you've got two and a half million sitting in your bank, you're probably not going to get off your ass quick. But if you've got minus 50 like I had, you're going to go to all of these and you're going to try these out. So, you know, you probably have persistence when you have a lack of funds. So step one is to go through everyone you've ever met in your contacts book, in your outlook, on your phone, who you went to uni with, school with, prison if you're from Peterborough where I'm from you know anyone you've ever known and touch base with them just send them an email something like I saw this and thought of you this happened and I thought of you now I've told people to do this in the past and they've come back to me and said well Rob you know I'm a bit worried about that because I don't want people to think I'm just contacting them for money you're not just contacting them for money you're contacting them to contact them to open a dialogue because if it's not right to borrow money from them it's not right it's not going to be done there's no pressure and by the way, any finance you do raise or have raised in the past and will in the future, it's come from a step one. It's like you don't get married on the first date, you know, and it's, it's OK to go on a date with a view one day to maybe get married. But it's kind of dumb to propose on the first date. And so it is with raising finance. It's totally OK to go to business networking events, you know, network and, and meet for lunch and dinner with friends and, you know, distant family and contacts from the past just to build a relationship. You know, you don't have to say to them, hey, just full disclosure, the reason I contacted you was because I want your money. So uh, there you go, I said it. You know, you don't have to do that. And, you know, there's going to be many things that are going to be forged from going back through all of your contacts and opening those doors again. You know, they may get business from you the other way. You may refer a contact, they may refer a contact. So what you want to do is you want to start this first touch point. Now, in the next episode, in the how of Raising Finance, I'm going to tell you roughly the range of touch points you need to have with someone, you know, whether it's emails or meetings or follow-ups, before money will flow. And there's a range, and I'll tell you the range, and I'll tell you the average. And when you know that number, you know that the, for the first meeting, the first email or the touch base or the Facebook message, the purpose is just to open the loop again. Now, it's nice to go in there with something personal. What you don't want to do is email all your contacts the same email and make it spammy. So, you know, you just want to think about something that you might have thought about them about. You know, you want to touch base with all your old friends and just say, hey, thought of you. How are you doing? Get back in touch. It's, you know, you're not booking lunches or getting your PA to phone them all up for a business meeting. You're just touching base. The next thing now, sorry, before I go on to the next thing. It's likely you've got money in those people, latent money, latent partnerships. You know, if many of my subscribers to the Disruptive Entrepreneur across the world are into property and there aren't many people on the planet that don't like property in some way, would like to be in it. If they've got profits, want to park it or at least know that property is a great, safe asset to be in. So it's pretty safe to talk about property. It's kind of less safe to talk about investing in, say, your startup business. But of course, if you go to more specific networking events where those people are, you'll get more results. And 
on that note, it is important when you're raising finance that when you're asking for money, that the person has some kind of interest or desire in that niche. So if you ask a property person for money for a startup tech company, that's going to be a bit more of a tenuous link and a difficult sale and vice versa. Whereas if you ask someone who's already interested in property and in property groups for money for a property, there's going to be a lot less friction there. And ultimately, in borrowing money or lending money, if you're listening to looking at it from the other side, it's um, you want to reduce the friction. But again, I'll talk about that in the how episode. Okay, so the next places to go are parties. And I know it kind of sounds kind of a, of a, a bit, well, left field, I suppose. But the great thing about, about parties are, you know, the guards are down, the drinks are flowing, and it's easier to socialise. Now, I'm not a party animal at all. I don't go out. I'm a bit of a hermit. I'm kind of safe talking to the podcast microphone. And I think I over-partied in my 20s. But, you know, I used to go to parties for parties' sake. And if I'd have gone with a view to making friends and, and you know, really looking for future things we could do together... I probably would have had more contacts by the time I was 25, 26 in December 05. So get out there to more parties. Now, of course, if you go to the local village party with three people who are also 50 grand in debt, that's not going to be great. If you can infiltrate some kind of higher level parties, that would be fine. The next thing are specific clubs. So you've got rotary clubs, you've got yacht clubs, you've got sailing clubs, shooting clubs. Mark, my business partner, He's a member of a shooting club and he said that there's just, there isn't anyone there who doesn't have a few million quid. It's just a ridiculous amount of money going around. And of course, you know, they're not all there immediately going to talk business. They're going there for their shoot. But of course, they're in there mingling, hanging around with those people. You know, you have to wear the right colour boots and you have to arrive in the right car. And Mark arrived in his Ferrari 458 Spider, and they absolutely roasted him. You drive here in a Range Rover. That's the only car you drive here in, young boy. And I think a lot of them are like 50 or 60. But Mark's met some great business connections there. He's raised finance there. He's found some mentors there. You know, so the thing is, you don't have to go looking for money. You just have to go looking for someone that you're interested to spend time with. Because like you said, you could, I said before, you could get the added benefit of having a mentor or just learning something. Or, I mean, just talking business. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you must be interested in being an entrepreneur in some way. So you want to hang around more people who are in business. They've done the thing. I love hanging around with people who are 65 and 70. And, I'm, you know, I'm 38 because I just love, you know, feeding off their experience and learning from their 30 or 40 years in business, I just find it so inspiring. And often the older people, if you're listening and you're younger in your teens or 20s or 30s, what they get from you is the enthusiasm, the youth, the hunger, which they maybe have lost. So it's a great win-win. You know, it's not, this is not just about you trying to suck money out of people. It's a, a win-win relationship. So anything with a club at the end, rotary, yacht, sailing, flying, our local flying club. I met so many very wealthy people at our local flying club. Now, of course, I'm in a fortunate position where I've been able to learn to fly a few aircraft, helicopters specifically. But you can still go there because there are many, uh, especially in London, there are many uh, flying clubs where you can have a non-flying membership. There probably are in most flying clubs. And I'm not, by the way, I'm not talking about Heathrow Airport here. I'm talking about local flying clubs. Now, one's not huge. It's probably only got, what, 30 aircraft there, if that. But I've met some great people there. And of course, if you get really friendly with what an instructor, then of course they know everyone. Mike, my instructor, he must be what, in his 60s now. He knows anyone and everyone. One, the, um, the chap who took my exam, because it has to be a different person who teaches you to your exam. He used to fly Mark Webber all around the world privately, you know, hired 
and Mark Webber hired him as his, his, his private pilot. So, you know, the, the, the interesting people you meet. We met, Mark and I met someone who was worth, what, about three or four billion locally. I didn't even know there were any billionaires in Peterborough. I didn't even know Peterborough had a billion pounds between it, between the 180,000 people. So you meet some amazing people at these clubs. Now, of course, if you can, you want to pick the, 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 the ones where people are likely to have a lot of money. Like I said, not the local karaoke's or discos, but anything where people go. If there's a, a quite hefty entrance fee, of course, you might be thinking, oh, I don't want to pay the entrance fee. But of course, that's a great qualifier to having other people who can afford the entrance fee. If you can get invites to those from friends, that's even better because probably the best and most prolific and well-known guests I've had on The Disruptive Entrepreneur are not people I've approached or rather my researcher and agent has approached blindly. Um, you get more rejections when you do that. But when someone's introduced someone, then it's pretty easy. So I'm, in our Disruptive Entrepreneurs community, the, the niece of Daly Thompson, he's, um, she is very active in the community. And so I said, hey, Daly would be great for the podcast. What a guy. And that episode will be coming soon. And that, that happened quite easily with no friction because it was an introduction. So if you know people who know people, that's even better than going in yourself if you can engineer that. Now, there are certain people who have really good contacts and they're very good at managing relationships. So if you think about the supporter profile, they're well known for being really good at, at people, people. So if you can sort of, and I say this word not to, to, for you to use it in any direct or blunt way, but if you can leverage them, so if you can build a really good relationship with someone who builds really good relationships, a supporter profile, a networker, then you're that person maybe away from five or 10 or 20 millionaires or billionaires. And of course, I say millionaires and billionaires, they're trite phrases. The point is finance. You know, you're looking to raise finance, you're looking for liquidity. Business angel events, they're a fantastic place to go to. If you haven't been to one yet, you've got to go. Now, we have really good affiliations with Angels Den. I interviewed Bill Morrow on a previous podcast who set up and started the whole Angels Den model. There's Angels Den franchises all over the world. And Property Angels Den is run by Ray McLennan, who's a very good friend of mine. He's one of the progressive community members. So if you go to an Angels Den, you are going to meet what they call whales. You're going to make people shout it, whales, yeah. But you're going to meet billionaires there, you know, literally face to face. You're going to meet 100 decker millionaires, 100 millionaires. Now, again, it's not always the smartest thing to go there and do your eight minute pitch and get your 12 minute grilling. You could do that if you've got a very specific property commercial deal or something that immediately needs finance and you've got a really good, well tested plan. You could go straight to that. But really, I like to go there for the contacts and the networking. And because if you if you pitch to people, it's, it's like you've got kind of one chance. And if you mess that up, you kind of it's hard to get it back. But if you go and build relationships with people, and you've got the relationship first, then you, it's almost like you get the license to pitch many times. So you may want to go to Angel's Den. There's also London, London Business Angels, which is um, mostly in London, I believe. And Mark and I used to go there quite a lot a few years ago. We went one year, we went to nearly every month. They move them around London. That's another great business angel network. It's essentially like Dragon's Den, but real life. And so you want to get yourself to them. Now, there'll, there'll be some angels dens locally in, in most major cities in the UK and I know that there are many offices in the world as well for more details on that listen to my episode where I interview Bill Morrow business networking events property networking events now there are many of those and there are many of those you haven't been to so of course there's the business for breakfast type events there's the rotary type events there's the 4N networking events there's the institute of directors the IOD events 
There's Progressive Property Network events. I think there's 40 Progressive Property Networks all around the country. And then they're the, they're the independent meets as well. So if you just go onto Google and type in your local nearest city with maybe, what, 100,000 population or more, type in Property Network Event Peterborough, Business Network Event or Meeting Southampton, you will find local events. Now, they, they do range in quality. Some of them you'll go and there are lots of low-level business people there. Nothing wrong with that, but, you know, you lots of leaflet distributors and printers and, you know, IT technicians and one-man band HR consultants. And that's fine, but maybe you're not going to meet the Decca millionaires you want there. So go to a few, have a little bit of a test and then start going more to the ones where they seem to have a higher quality of people in terms of finances, and maybe less so you go to the smaller ones. And then as you build a team, what you want to do is you want to send your sales team to all the network meetings all over the country, and then they do the networking and the contacts building for you. Now, London has so many great ones. So there's Knightsbridge PPN, there's London Business Angels, there's the Angels Dens in London, there's the St Pancras PPN, there's launching the Canary Wharf, PPN may have probably Mayfair people have missed a few probably but you know there's some obviously in London there's just such a, a density of wealth and if you're listening and you're from Dubai or Qatar or you know Silicon Valley there's going to be the same type of thing there so you want to get yourself to the main city so if you live up, up north if you're in England and you network in Uddersfield or Leeds then that's great, nothing wrong with that. But you want to get to London once a month and go to one of the big ones too. Get yourself out of your comfort zone. Get to London, I dare you. Charity balls. The great thing about charity balls is you've got a load of rich people who are really drunk bidding on signed thing, memorabilia that they're never going to use just so that they can show how much money they've got. <clears throat> Can't say I've never done that. So if you get yourself to charity balls, then of course you're going to be around wealthy and successful people. If you go to local openings and launches and functions, then again, you're going to meet wealthy, successful people. I've found that following top influencers on social media and engaging with them has really worked. If you're listening to this and you've had a message back from me, you've probably done that. And I'm not the biggest influencer in the world by any stretch. But if you follow all the big influencers across the world, you know, maybe even the venture capitalists, you follow the, you know, the people who've got maybe big businesses or the big social media experts, you know, the, you know, the personal development people, the big business people, then one, you'll, you might be able to engage with them. Two, you'll see who they recommend and refer and then you can go and follow them. Twitter and Facebook, there seems to be a lot of engagement where many of these you know, big experts, they'll actually engage with you. Some of them won't, so you kind of want to just filter and have a little bit of a feel around, but some of them will engage with you. I don't recommend following them and then just PMing them a load of messages saying, give me 200 grand, give me 500 grand, come on, you're rich, you can afford it. Get loads of messages like that, and um, that's probably not the best way to influence someone to give you their money. Joining masterminds. So um, I'm currently uh, just about to get on the plane to go home from the Cayman Islands, where I run a Cayman legacy every year. So we run two mentoring groups, a kind of a newer group, and then a revisit group, which most of these people on the revisit group are multimillionaires. So can you join a mastermind? You know, so like a round table business mastermind program, what you can often invest your way in. Now, masterminds, in my experience, range from two or three grand, if they're probably maybe the entry level ones, up to whatever you want to pay. I mean, I don't know what the Necker Island one is. That's probably one of the top ones in the whole world. You know, that might be 30 or 40 grand. But I mean, imagine being able to play chess with Richard Branson. I'd be like this, thinking about my move, pawn two places, and then I'd wait an hour thinking about my next move. 
And then I'd ask Richard Branson about 952 questions. But, you know, in the, um, in the Mastermind program with Richard Branson, so I got completely blank there. What's it called again? Necker Island. Uh, yeah, you get to play chess with Richard Branson. You get to re- meet many millionaires and billionaires. So maybe you could find some local and national masterminds now. I really benefit from being part of a mastermind program because it expands my awareness. You get to go deep on your business. You get to voyeuristically learn from other people's businesses and plans. I get a lot out of running them as well. I run three or four mastermind programs at different levels. So I definitely would recommend that you join one. Even if it's not for the money, it's just for the expanding your mind, expanding your network, working on your business rather than in your business. You know, if you have a mastermind program and there's, you get one day on your own business and there's six of you and there's six days deep diving into business. I mean, who works six days on their business per year? Most entrepreneurs don't. They're working 365 days in their business, in the weeds, you know, head down in a hole, arse up, digging, not knowing where they're going. So for that reason, masterminds are fantastic. When you go on holiday, do you pick the good venues or the shit ones? Do you go to, do you try and get the cheap hotel and you try and stay in the crappiest place? Or do you go to Cayman Islands? Do you go to Dubai? I'd really recommend, if you can, and of course, you know, disclaimer, I'm not telling you to go and spend all your money on a holiday, but if you can start increasing the quality of the venues you stay at. Now, if you run mastermind programs yourself, you can legitimately merge your passion and profession and run it as a business expense. Of course, you should see your accountant. But if you run a program, a business, or you're a property investor and you go and do a lot of research and maybe look at buying property out in these great venues, then it can, all or part of it could become a business expense. So that's a great way to merge passion and profession and also increase the quality of the places you go to. So there are certain places, I go to Monaco quite frequently, you know, where there are more millionaires per square foot than anywhere else you're gonna find. And it is hard to bump into someone who doesn't have money or have contacts. Have you read all of the autobiographies of the successful venture capitalists, the successful business people, the investors, you know, Warren Buffett, Peter Hargreaves, who set up Hargreaves Lansdowne, or, you know, all these amazing people who are giving their advice for free on how they raise money and how they grew their business and how they lend money and how they um, invest money. So I definitely recommend on Audible, on podcasts, iTunes, Amazon, the social media platforms trying to find everyone who is an investor, some kind of VC dragon. Have you read all the dragon's autobiographies? Because if you read all those autobiographies, what you find is that opens a little door, but then there's about 10 or 12 or 15 doors that are opened in there. They just say something that clicks with you and sticks with you. And, or they mention a place they go or an individual. And then you go and research that individual. And then you read their books and follow their things. And all of a sudden your mind is expanded and your world is opening up. I definitely think if you can get your kids to private school, then that's really going to help. And I made it a mission of mine before Bobby was born. So Bobby's six now. So this was about eight years ago. So back then I made a bit of money, but, you know, I was by no means, you know, living the, the high life. And I said to myself, no matter what it would cost, I'm going to send Bobby to private school. Uh, and I really feel it's an important thing to do for my son. I went to both private and uh, state schools. And this is not like me looking down on state schools, but my performance was much better in private than it was in state. And um, in fact, in state, my performance went down quite significantly and that led to probably seven years in the wilderness for me. And you know, I've got to take personal responsibility for that. But the quality of the parents in financial terms in a private school and their network is likely to be higher. So if you could choose a good school, then you're probably going to get access to you know many more people who've got more money now. I sort of justified this in my mind and I don't want you to think I'm being elitist here at all because there's some great state schools as well. You should check them all out. I'm thinking about it purely from you being able to raise finance. But I said to myself, because back then I didn't know I was going to be able to do quite as well as I have done in business with 
still, of course, a lot to do and a lot to learn and humble and hungry, I thought to myself, well, if I can raise some JV finance for one property deal from one parent, then I've probably paid for three years of school fees. So I only need one potential part financier partner every three years and I've probably got free schooling. So that was the way I looked at it. So um, my fiance, she, oh, blimey, we're getting married in two months. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's me being excited, by the way. So she is a member of the PFA. Now, um, not necessarily saying you should be a member of the PFA because, you know, it's not a business and it might frustrate you, things don't get done, it might take time. But of course, she's in there with all the parents and she invites me to all these social gatherings and I've got to get myself out there a little bit more. But yeah, I've met some great people and I probably should, this, I'm reading this list to you thinking, yeah, I've got to do more of this myself too. Now, the thing is, the key as well with this is to do it when you don't need the money because as we sit here right now, I don't need to go and raise money. So I'm thinking I don't need to do that. But, you know, a couple of big 10 million pound property deals and I'll be skint. And when you're skint, like skint, you know, like uh, skint, you can come across a bit desperate. And there's that fine line, isn't there, between sort of persistence and desperation. So if you look to raise finance or open all these loops and, you know, imagine if you had a hundred different people from all of these different places I'm, you know, suggesting you should go. You had them all there lined up. You had a few meetings, three or four already. You're already good friends with them before you needed the money. When you needed the money, it's just a, a natural conversation. Whereas if you wait until you skin and you do it almost in times of react, you do it reactively and in desperation, then you're going to go out there and yeah, you're probably going to hit the, wear the shoe leather and hit the tarmac and go and get it done. But yeah, you'll probably have to convert less and you'll, it'll probably be, uh, there'll probably be more friction. So you want to go out, out there and do it. I was going to say, actually, you should go out there and do it before you need to do it, but you should go out and do it all the time. It's like you should have your frequency, part of your brain, your frequency always tuned in. And I want to stress, this is not like, oh, you haven't got any money, you can piss off, because, you know, I don't value people with no money, I and mean, you're not one of the five people that will make me more rich, so off you go. This isn't elitist, this is just, you know, you're going to meet thousands of people in your life. You've got, some of them are going to stick, and many of them are going to be, you're going to be ships in the night. So if you could choose all the people that could stick, who would they be? They'd inspire you. They'd be positive. You know, maybe they'd be a bit ahead of you in business and raising finance so that you can catch up with them and they can introduce you into circles that you couldn't infiltrate. And I think that that would be a wise thing to do. Something that's really helped me is being a public speaker. So this podcast, I got world records for the longest public speeches. I've done, I think, now over a thousand speeches started off uh, teaching property and then going into you know the business side of speaking and it's really helped build a network what it also helps is it's more pull than push so push is like going around in networking events you know flicking your business cards out car carpet bombing the places trying to get one minute with everyone there's my car call me there's my car call me please call me please call me give me money and that's fine but you know you might convert two or three in a hundred of the people you meet. But if you're on the stage and you get off the stage and you do a great talk, you'd have 30 or 40 people mobbing you, giving you know you their card, chasing you up. So if you could do the same on YouTube by you know getting videos that get lots of views. If you could, for example, do live feed videos on Facebook then and build your own following and your own fan base. And then you can put a post up on social media saying, hey, got a property deal if you're interested. And you can have 100 private messages. 
So you could go and speak at the local universities to get credibility. You know, you've gone and done a keynote speech at this university, or maybe you could get a TEDx talk, get a university speech done. You, most universities will probably take you if you've got good content, you do that for free. That would be good credibility to then probably go and get a TEDx talk. If you've ever done a TEDx talk, you're flying, aren't you? I mean, that is just social proof beyond belief. That, you know, you'd have probably have more business and you could shake a stick at. So I hope this podcast episode has helped on where to find people who've got money. In the next episode on this mini-series, we will go into the how. So how to pitch to them, how to pitch without pitching, how many meetings you need to have with them before you get the money raised, maybe a bit on the contract stuff, maybe a bit on overcoming objections, certainly some backup clauses, some things to watch out for, how to evaluate people properly, uh, securitizing your money, all of those details will be in the next episode. Right, I've got to go and catch a plane. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. As ever, thanks for being a disruptive entrepreneur uh, listener. I really value you. If it, if it weren't for you, I'd probably still be licking stamps and sticking them on pieces of canvas and never selling them and uh, being in debt. So thanks for following my work. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Rob again, stay with me here because I've got a gift for you. I get asked for these a lot and I thought, well, I'll, I'll leverage my time and yours and I will put these four things I get asked a lot into a free gift for you. So if you go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report, then what I've done is I've written for you an article on the top 21 apps I use to create the mobile lifestyle. I've written an article on the 14, my most favorite educational, inspirational, informative documentaries of the you know, most inspiring people in the world. I've written uh, which ones they are and a synopsis of each one. I'm very well known for having lots of very specific goals, detailed vision values. So I'm sharing with you my particular document I use, I've PDF'd it for you. And also the fastest ways I know to make money for startup and scale up entrepreneurs. So I've written an article and a detailed report on each one. I've put them all into one. And all you have to do is go to tiny.cc forward slash Rob's report. You get those for free. I'll never ask anything from you, spam. I'll never spam you, never sell to you. And then also once a week, I'll send you a new article or a new video content that's a bit different that maybe you wouldn't get normally from the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. So I hope you find that useful. Remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Thank you.